0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. We are trying to understand it, get ahead of it, see what's coming down the road in this fast-moving world of ours. Uh, certainly, there's enough been enough gyrations lately to make everybody scratch their head a little bit, but my view about this is one of optimism, and let's stay focused on the bigger view, and we're going to see if one of our wonderful digital all-stars, Tony Uphoff, who's the former CEO of Thomas, been the CEO of a couple other businesses that he's helped rebuild and get back on the growth path. Going to see what uh, Tony has to say about this. Professor Ophoff, it's great to see you. Thanks for being with us.
1: Dr. Evans, it's always nice to see you're looking very healthy and happy.
0: I I feel that way, sir. I feel that way, and I intend to keep feeling that way no matter what the uh, doom and gloom purveyors have to say about things. Tony, real quick, because I I, I want to just get your thoughts on one thing. And then you really, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this notion, folks. Uh, Tony's got some pretty cool ideas about digital ad fraud. Like this whole world we're living in, it's almost like one of the currencies we deal with now. Maybe it isn't all, uh, you know, uh, the cleanest currency you could ever have, but, Tanya, I have half dash. Just what are your thoughts these days about? On the one hand, you know you get the media out there like screaming recession and the countdown to recession, and what about this? But then there's also on the other side some pretty powerful fundamentals in the market that I think continue to look pretty good.
1: Yeah, it, it is it, fascinating, Bob. And we had a conversation with our Growth Swarm colleagues, you know, earlier in uh, in the week on this. I I I've rarely ever seen something that is so asymmetric meaning the the drum beats are kind of you know envisioning one thing and if you actually fundamentally look at the core a, a lot of the the financial performance is is really very very strong I I think what we may be witnessing Bob is a couple of things I think there's a little bit of a pendulum swinging around post COVID. And so I think the retail stock sector and to a certain extent, the e-commerce and even stocks like Zoom, Bob, I think, you know, the, the torrent of growth, most of it unpredicted going into COVID, I think coming out of it, people aren't quite sure how to set expectations, including frankly, the executives of those companies, right? So, you know, as, do-it-yourself projects of fixing up home offices of you know the, the the rampant levels of delivery of of needing to you know expand the number of users on zoom slows a little bit which would be normal as we kind of balance things out a little bit i think this is really a game of mismatched expectations i also think and i have mentioned this before in other circles <clears throat> i'm not an economist certainly and i, I i'm I'm not qualified to speak um, a, a, about inflation and recession. However, you and I have worked together and managed through four four noted recessions. So I do have some experience as do you about what that's like, but I will say the reaction that was the first domino to fall on this, which was Netflix, a sell-off of 70% of a business of that size and that scope and that trajectory to me is is a wild overreaction. It's not an overcorrection, because I don't think it's correct. I think it's a wild overreaction. So there's some fundamental things going on in the market that don't match the fundamentals, at least that I can see. Last point I would make, Bob, that's that's close to the close to home for our listeners on this particular podcast. The numbers we're seeing, and it feels to me like we throw these numbers around way too casually. The numbers we're seeing, and we're about to see some earnings from some of the major folks coming out um, this and into next week, the cloud vendors with double digit growth on top of multi-billion dollar businesses, we say these things so casually. We talk about a trillion dollar valuation of a company, a two trillion dollar valuation of a company. And, And I think what's happened is you know, it's like spinal tap. The amps have gone up to 11, so it's lost meaning now. And, and so I think there, there is this thing of, oh, you're only going to grow 12% yeah. on top of like $27 billion or, oh, okay, well, how do I put that into perspective? <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I could go on. And I'm not, I want to be very clear. I don't want, I'm not giving um, any form of stock or economic advice, but I, I, I will say I am long on tech, as I always am, and I think for uh, you and I, because we study this so carefully, I think the part that analysts are probably missing that links directly to the market is I think you need to go upstream as an analyst and understand how companies are deploying modern technology today Mm -hmm. as a part of your analysis of their financial performance. So for instance, Target is a retailer versus Walmart. I don't need to get any farther into it other than everybody would understand that Walmart is much farther down the road of deploying modern technology and harnessing the power of cloud infrastructure, applications, tools to benefit the customer in ways that and I'm not picking on target, but other retailers aren't even in the same stratosphere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony, I I got to agree with you just uh, on, on every count. I will be interested as you and I are having this discussion on recording this. It's about an hour away from when Snowflake will release yeah. its fiscal Q1 yeah. numbers. So three months ago, they, they, they blew out uh, any expectations on revenue, which grew 106% last quarter they guided for this quarter they raised their guidance for this quarter to i think it's 66 percent so here's a company that could come in at 70 percent growth and you know all the the geniuses are going to say ah oh, what the hell you know only 70 percent so tony i agree with you and i i i you talked about uh, the analysts perhaps would be wise to try to go upstream and understand how the companies they're covering are using that technology. And I think in a similar way, you know, we can talk about the Cloud Wars top 10, Microsoft did this and Amazon 36%, blah, blah, blah. But what that represents a step back from there is just extraordinary demand from business. We're buying all that stuff that you got it. those growth rates up so high. So I don't think any of these companies are giving it away. Uh, so there are businesses who are finding incredible value in it, and uh, whereas in the past, we might have looked at um, IT investments, or some leaders did, as this is a cost to be you know pounded down, and the closer you can get it to zero, the better you are. Uh, I just think that would be utter lunacy today. So the whole model of what tech represents and tech investments represent is wildly different in today's market and I just, I don't see that changing over the next three, four, five years.
1: Hey, Bob, I was fortunate enough to be asked to speak at um, University of California, Irvine's Center for Digital Transformation recently. This is an MBA class. And just, man, A, the professors are phenomenal there. The, The students were just so bright and so extraordinary. And I used the journey we took Thomas through of creating a platform company and the, the ultimate sale of the business as a, as a primer for the discussion. I can't tell you how the students really leaned in and again, these are graduate students, most all of them are either currently working and attending school or been in the workforce and now getting their MBA that concept of business model transformation enabled by digital yeah. transformation. and I think that's underneath what you just said and I, I kind of said it, and I think sometimes I say it almost too casually, hey, digital transformation leads the business model transformation. They just jumped all over that, Bob, and they gave chapter and verse of companies they're studying and examples and case studies and questions of companies that haven't. And I found it, it, it just really crystallized it in my mind. I think you're putting your finger on it. This is not just technology as a percent of revenue or technology as a cost center or whatever the heck it is. This is what is technology enabling us to do to dazzle customers and make more money.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and and I think, you know, again, easy, I, I don't wanna sound too glib and make this sound really simplistic, it's not. But I think the difference you and I are, are illuminating, Bob, is we've gone through generations of this but we're now hitting an inflection point based on the unbelievable power, particularly of cloud infrastructure, applications and tools, and the agility that it gives these companies. I think we're, we're unleashing a whole new you know, uh, uh, period, if you will, where, um, if I can use the expression, I think businesses can be so much more creative. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have to bet the farm on some big, massive, you know, you know the old days of, you know, uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles would, would spend, you know, uh, $500 million contracting with a tech firm. It would take them five years, and we'd find out the hard way that none of it worked, and they, and they lit the money on fire. You don't hear those stories as much anymore, and the reason you don't is really, I believe, Bob, the step change of the technology itself but secondarily, I think we are dealing with a completely different mindset you know, of companies realizing, look, I'm going to be judged as, a, as an executive in this company by my ability to harness this technology to transform my business, not transform my IT infrastructure. That's really not my job. And <laughs> it's not even the CIO's job or the CTO's job, right? My job is to grow the business. And... If technology isn't the biggest lever now, I don't know what is. You know, and it really is just such a, an essential thing. Anyway, started to go off on a rant there, but it, I think it's a re, you're you're illuminating something. It's really really powerful, and I think maybe we don't, you know, touch on that often enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, Tony, one uh, one last thought on this, and then I'd love to get your thoughts about the you know this phenomenon of digital ad fraud and what that means. Um, But I think this is in the range of 25 years ago, we had just started to work together. And uh, at the time we worked at Information Week, the magazine, which also had a conference and the Information Week 500 was a list that was put together. And when you and I started there, the list was based on the uh, IT budgets, how big they were. And I remember within the first six months, so that I know I was working with you, start to talk to some of these companies to see how it's command. My God, don't put my name on that. You know. Uh,
1: I remember it well. Remember,
0: friend. there was a point at which the more you spend, the better, you know, the higher you go on the list. And then these people were saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. As if there's, because we'd hear those things and you touched on it about, uh, well, in this industry, the norm is to spend 1.5% of, revenue. And nobody ever looked at that more finely and said, well, what are the best performing companies right. in that sector doing? So it, we just got a little disconnected from reality, Tony, but wild stuff. And I'm sure we'll have a chance to continue on this thread. But I want to uh, really love to hear you talk a little bit about what you see is, uh, I guess we might call it a little bit of a reckoning that is coming. As yeah. we've all got yeah. accustomed to digital media, and you know the the digital media companies have every right to try to get out and make an honest living, but you want that living to be honest. And yeah. uh, I, I get the sense from you, you feel that some of them aren't being quite as uh, straightforward and forthcoming as they should be. Well, I'll tell you what
1: got me thinking about this. And, and I'm gonna guess behind the scenes, it's got a lot of other people thinking about it as well. Um, the, the rip from the headlines, Elon Musk you know, looking to acquire Twitter and whether it's a negotiation tactic or exactly what it is, he comes out with a statement saying, uh, gee, I need the, the Twitter uh, folks to, to uh, demonstrate to me that bot accounts or fake accounts on Twitter, are 5% or less of the total. Now, put aside the fact that Elon Musk would know that upwards of probably 40% of Twitter accounts are fraudulent and, and are bots. He has 80 million followers. He would know that close to half those are bots. He's too savvy of a t- uh, uh, you know, somebody that understands technology. But put all that aside, I'm not talking about Elon Musk. What I'm talking about is the fact that we take this for granted almost everybody that you talk to, if you say, well, you know, a lot of those are bots, everybody goes, oh yeah, sure, I know that, <laughs> right? And what's people. interesting, right? So what it got me to do was to stop and kind of think about it. So let me just, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'll read this off my phone. Um, the total cost of ad fraud, meaning I, I bought what I thought was an ad, but it turns out not to have been an ad. It was a machine to machine click was uh, $81 billion in 2022. And it's projected to increase to $100 billion in 2023. According to Intercepted, 31% of iOS apps and 25% of Android app installs are fraudulent. According to Adobe, in 2018, fraud web traffic was 28% of the total or 66 billion of the total ad spent. So, you know, this isn't new, the idea of ad fraud. You know, anytime, you know, we have an essence, things like programmatic, and I'm not picking on any of these technologies. Look, I use them. I have been involved in selling that type of advertising. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on them. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the truth is we have no idea at what level this fraudulent traffic, you now have bots that can fill out forms. So the initial bot that could just simply click and look like something, you have artificial intelligence driving bots, looking for areas of content and posting things that are fr- from fraudulent accounts, looking like fr- they're from, you know, thoughtful, you know, <laughs> well thought through or, or well backed, you know, accounts. And, and I'm, I'm really less making a statement about fake news or any of those types of things than I am that here's an industry that's been the fastest growing part of advertising by far, but there's been so little scrutiny on this and so little um, energy exerted against it. Now, I won't name names here, but I will tell you having a lot of friends of mine who were in the industry in various pieces, whether they run programmatic, you know, offerings or networks, um, they they work uh, for one of the ad networks or they work at ad agencies. Whenever I get on my soapbox about this and talk about it, and I've been talking about it recently, they'll say, "Hey, Tony, what? You know, look. At the end of the day, it, the fraud is priced in. They'll use that term all the time. <laughs> it's priced in, meaning." hey, look how low the C- CPMs or cost per thousand for your listeners that don't know, I'm sure most do. That's how most advertising is, is sold, is, is on a cost per thousand basis. And so, you know, they'll say it, it's priced in. So I, I think it could be the height of irony and I'm not predicting this, but it could be the height of irony that Musk's, what he thought was a sort of a clever way of calling the bluff at Twitter and seeing if he could renegotiate, doesn't actually trip off this reckoning as you called it, where I think we've, we've hit an inflection point. And part of this has been the duopoly. Yeah. So it's very difficult when, you know, too few companies control the marketplace because it's very difficult to get transparency. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to get competition that drives transparency. But there's also, there is no organizing body here. Mm-hmm. There is no one, you know, you, you know, we can't call Ghostbusters here. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no one to call if you feel that you are the victim of ad fraud. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're not going to, you know, quick, give me the phone number for Google. Who do you even call at Google? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Number
1: one. And number two, it, it, you know, there's really no one to follow up on it. So I, I think it's a fascinating area, Bob. And I think like most things we talk about, I think the answer to this is going to be one of technology. I'm not a big regulatory guy. I'd rather see less regulatory stuff and I'm, I'm not trying to make a case for that. But the really simple answer to this is assuring authenticity. In other words, these are human beings with accounts. So if Twitter decided tomorrow to do away with all the fake accounts and they could easily do this, The problem with that is they'd have to restate their earnings. If Facebook did the same thing, took down all of the fake accounts, they'd have to restate their earnings. So there's a financial disincentive from these companies. And there's a certain uh, component of Google that's similar to this, to not really get too far into this. There is technology that can solve this problem. but, But I also think, and I wonder, have we cheapened the value of this so much that the average advertiser Bob is like, hey big fella, what are you worried about? Yeah, you know, I, I, I get, yeah, <laughs> I know fifty percent is wasted. What's the old joke about advertising? But hey, <laughs> the other fifty percent appears to be working, and it's priced in, so I'm really only paying fifty cents on the dollar for you know what I should be paying, right?
0: Pays for itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holy crap, Tony. Um, let me just take a second here. I want to offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. If you think of world-class gymnast Simone Biles, you think of someone bringing the A game to her sport, the absolute highest level you can think of. And you can get to that level in business as well. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. It's when automation is effortless and therefore allows people to concentrate on innovation. You can find out more at bmc.com slash agame. So Tony, it, it's fascinating. I just have a sense from what you've said. I'm I'm sure you're, the uh, people you know who've discussed some of this. When they say, "Hey, it's priced in," they've they've kind of conditioned themselves to think that way. And I guess I have the sense, right, from uh, being around the, the business world in various forms for a long time, if you build a house on shaky ground right it might not fall down the first day or the second day or the third day but at some point why why do that and I know what you said about the financial disincentives of um, you know cleaning out the bots and all that but somebody's going to come along with a better deal somebody's got this notion of transparency we're seeing more and more of that everywhere all those discussions about trust uh, and the need for trust in it the digital natives who are coming up and they're not going to take Sort of the same old crap that everybody else has peddled. I think the broad trends, Tony, are working against this notion of hey, it's a lot, of crap, but it's priced in. So not to worry.
1: Bob, I would hundred percent agree with you. And I'll give you an interesting um, you know, comparison from a, a related but different industry. As you know, for for several years I got recruited into a a media business that had the Hollywood Reporter backstage, Hollywood Creative Directory, and I was brought in to lead a digital transformation of those businesses. And I learned a ton about Hollywood. This same company owned the Nielsen uh, businesses that were a a whole series of businesses, but the core of them were around uh, television ratings. And so we we embarked on a few strategic initiatives where we'd look at taking Nielsen data and combining it with the Hollywood Reporter and maybe you know creating kind of a Bloomberg terminal for the entertainment wow. industry. And so I got to know the folks pretty well. And as I looked at that business, it was really stunning to me that back then, and this is in from 2003 to almost 2007. Um, it was amazing to me that it was still primarily based. The core of it was what they called the family journal. And you had this, you were a, de- de- defined as a Nielsen family and you were given a, a book that you filled out. And so you and, and your, your wife, Wendy, would have, at the end of the night, uh, you know, what, NCIS, what else did we want? Oh yeah, Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you jot it down and these would get turned in they could never really leap the chasm from that paper journaling to something that was more scalable. So they got some set-top box technology going, but it really, I mean, in all honesty, and maybe today it's far better, but back then it was really, really problematic. And I, I remember having a conversation with the head of... Um, research at CBS, who was a very powerful guy. His name is David Poltruck. I, I don't know if he's still around. I would think he's probably retired. And he was kind of the, the guy, you know, he was like, he was the guy and he created the concept of demographics, not just total reach numbers, but well, that's the demo of 18 to 34. So that's actually more valuable and all that kind of stuff. So I was talking to him one day and I was saying, you know, Wait, does, does it bother you the fragility that you're uplifting these really fragile samples to a broader group and then you're making purchase decisions? And and he literally, Bob looked at me like I had two heads, like, oh kid, come on. <laughs> and he looks he looks at me and he goes, All Nielsen is is a currency for the buying and selling of television time. So that's all it is. And he said, as long as I I Am willing to go with that currency and the seller is we can make a market Uh without it we don't have a market now in fairness back then cable was was growing and booming but this is a guy who grew up with only three choices
0: yeah yeah
1: he grew up with three networks so it's making me think to your point i wonder if this duopoly world we're living in and that free network, you know, where where Nielsen ruled the roost, Bob. I'm wondering if there's maybe in a funny way, we're watching history repeat itself. And again, look, I want to be really clear. I'll acknowledge I live in a glass house and man, I'm lobbing rocks here. Um, (laughs) I have grown up in and around digital. You and I ran some of the first digital products that were ever available commercially. Um, And and I have struggled with, you know, how do we make sure that all these numbers are accurate. you know, we've, we've, uh, we've focused on the the whole idea of, you know, not only transparency, but frankly, much more on registration, and qualification, and those types of things. But it feels to me that maybe, Bob, maybe, don't know, that we're hitting some sort of a tipping point. I also wonder, to your point, if there isn't a little bit of a demographic change here, that is, you know, the next generation comes up and kind of goes, hey, this is, you know, this is stupid, <laughs> you know, yeah. we shouldn't accept this,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. And I, Tony, you know, there, there's a parallel, a quick parallel on that with, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, uh, digital currency, Bitcoin and, and those sorts yeah. of things, you know, to this day, I, I'm not completely ignorant of it, but pretty close to completely ignorant. And, you know, the kids talk, well, you know, this is this, this. So, you know, I, I get, I think they're going to come in and they're going to expect something that if, you know, uh, same way that if somebody comes in and says them, Hey, look, I'm going to, I know you don't want to buy a car, so I'll sell you a half interest in a car, but it'll cost kind of like this. let get the hell out of here. I have, I have Lyft, I have Uber, I have other things that I can, yeah. I think they that going to get, get lost. So, yeah. uh, but Tony, it, it, it does make me think too of, um, You know, this, just to come back and we'll sort of wrap up on this thing about, I I don't want to get caught up in the whole thing. It is, it it isn't, we're heading toward it. We're not heading toward it, but it's a mindset and there has been a sort of an accepted thing among elites or establishment or the, the geniuses who tell the rest of us what to do that inflation goes up. A recession will take it down, so do the things, pull the levers that cause a, a recession. And for a long time, most of us just said, oh, well, crap, you know, they gotta comply. I don't think people are are, uh, are gonna march to that drummer too much anymore, right? It's like- I, 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 Yeah, I think also,
1: Bob, you know, we, we the honest answer is none of us really know. You know, the last official recession that we were in, people forget, was in 2020, which is only two years ago, and it lasted for 60 days. <laughs> and, and so, none of us would have seen it coming, and none of us certainly w- would have seen it ending quite that quickly. I remember back in 2007, 2008, and you and I both worked with this company. I was I was one of 30 top executives at a company called UBM, um, that publicly traded company that uh, we we met in New York, and they brought in an economist from some big firm. And he took us through, I'll never forget, it was a 68-page PowerPoint deck. And it it was literally just, you know, basically one slide up, you're all gonna die, you're hosed, your (laughs) career is mean, It was just, it was was brutal. So it's going on and on and on and on and on and on. And And he gets towards the end and people are starting to ask some questions. So I, you know, raised my hand and, I, I looked at the guy, and it, and, oh, I'm sorry, his, his, his final line was, it will be 10 years before oh. the economy recovers from that. And he was very specific. It will be 10 years before the economy <laughs> recovers from it. And so I, I you know raised my hand. I said, man, this is sobering. And I said, you know, let me ask you something. I said, did you see this coming? Did you predict this? And he said, no, no. He said, you know, like most, you know, we didn't see this coming. So I said, well, you seem to have remarkable fidelity on how long it's gonna last, but you had zero visibility <laughs> or fidelity whatsoever that it was coming. And, you know, he you know, he kind of did the, you know, what, what's the old joke about what dogs hear? What, 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 And I honestly don't remember what the guy said, but, and, and listen, I wanna be really, I'm not trying to make light of anybody. I know folks are nervous and, you know, anytime, you know, you, you get this kind of turbulence that can get people's attention, but um, n- no need to say you and I have, as I said earlier, have led through four official recessions. I will tell you every single time I look back and realize I, I wish I had been more aggressive. Yeah. You know, they, they are such markets of opportunity. And I think your yeah. core point that you're making is this is very uneven, meaning you've got companies that are the demand Right for technology is unbelievable. And, and it's not slowing down, Bob. It's accelerating. Yeah. We, as you know, we we spend most of our time in Southern California these days. Um, the real estate markets out here, you know, interest rates have gone up, different things are are moving around. And I was reading something about the local economy here, and the, the, the demand for housing is actually going up. <laughs> yeah. So so the prices, so interest rates have gone up stock markets, it, it's actually going up. And what they're really pointing to is, these are demographic issues that have nothing to do with the economy. Yeah. This is supply and demand. But it's also that you've got people that have either been sitting on the sidelines and, and you know, looking to either upgrade in housing or get into the housing market. And again, I, I, I want to be careful about making light of financial frustration or concern. Um, but, but I think your points are really good one, Bob. I think at times like this, we we need to um, to uh, you know t- take the take the temperature down just a little bit. Yeah. Slow yeah. it down. Yeah. Make sure you're really understanding what you're looking at, and it, it's a really good time for executives. Our our mutual analyst friend Scott Vaughn and I have been talking about this. You know, making sure you're working with your boards of directors and you're working with your executives that this is not the time to slam the brakes on because i guarantee you your competitors are not doing that <laughs> this is true in every market under the sun yeah. so
0: many of them no. tony's great you know i got to tell you when you were telling the story about that economist who who's you know your your life's over the world is ending and this is going to last for 10 years i don't know the thought popped into my head this line from uh, woody allen's old movie annie hall he's talking about I think some. Uh, he calls them little old ladies at you know a, a summer camp somewhere, and the one says the food here is terrible, and the other said, "Yes, it is, and the portions are so small." So, <laughs> <laughs> the mind is an interesting thing, right? We can uh, we can convince ourselves that ups, down, and this and that. But honey, good advice. Bob,
1: I'll, I'll never forget the look on that guy's face when I said, "So, you, you didn't," and and he looked at me like. I must be an idiot. I'm like, I I guess I am. I don't know. I I don't quite understand. This must be that new math people are talking about.
0: Tony, fabulous stuff. Really, really interesting as always. Good to see you. Uh, And um, I hope that the next time we'll find, you know, additional interesting stuff to talk about next month. It should be a very lively time between now and then. We'll see how things go. But I'm with you. Let's stay aggressive. uh, And let's remember that these things, you know, even when they hit, to whatever degree they do there, they can be short lived. And, uh, you know, participation is a choice. It's voluntary. And I don't, don't participate.
1: Great to see you, Bob.
0: All right, Tony, thanks a lot. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope things are going great for you. Remember, it's a voluntary thing. And I say don't participate. See you soon.